I'm Rachel Winchester, and you're listening to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Over the course of the podcast, Carol has shared profiles of women who have made a huge impact on her life. Women like Edith Schaefer, Amy Carmichael, and Corey Ten Boom. We are replaying five of those episodes during our Women of Valor series. I hope you are inspired and encouraged and that these women make a profound impact on your life as well. Today, we're going to be talking about a woman who is among the most influential of all the people that I have read or sat under, uh, been exposed to in my life. Many of you are familiar with her. Her name is Corey Temboom. Corey um, wrote many, many books. I had the privilege of, well, I'll start at the beginning. The, the first time that I was exposed to Corey Temboom, she wasn't quite a household name back then. I was living in a Christian commune in Southern California, and we had the book The Hiding Place, which had just come out in our small library there. I was really struggling as a new Christian and living with all these people. I was an introvert, didn't know even what that meant back then, but it was very hard for me and my rough edges were being sanded off as iron sharpening iron. And every day when I had a few moments, uh, I would go upstairs and the girls had kind of the top floor of this old farmhouse there in Newport Beach overlooking the bluff and um, on the bluff, I should say, overlooking the, the ocean. And I would go up into our uh, space up our, in our quarters, and the guys had built what they called the prayer closet. And it was just a big uh, closet or a small room, and it was carpeted, and there was nothing in it. And I would go up and close that door, and I would read one chapter of The Hiding Place, and that's all I would allow myself to read because I never wanted it to end. Soon after that, Corrie Ten Boom came back to our church. She'd been there previously. She came again and spoke, and I had the joy and pleasure of being present. Um, soon after that, Corey had a stroke and uh, was living in Orange County, and our pastor, Chuck Smith, was her pastor during those years of incapacitation, and um, he would go and pray with her and tell us stories about her. But uh, Corey has just been a huge influence on my life, I think because of her experience in suffering and how out of that suffering beauty has come. I've read so many books that she has written or books about her that I've lost count, but I have a group of them spread out here on my table, and I thought I'd just share a little bit about the things I've learned about Corey. First of all, she didn't just spring out of nowhere. Corey Temboom was the result of generations of godly, faithful intercessors and Bible students. Her great grandfather's name was Garrett, and he worked as a gardener in one of the large, uh, very wealthy estates there in Hempstead, not too far from Harlem, where she was raised. He was uh, working at the time of Napoleon, and he was a gifted gardener, just had magic in his fingers, and one day his, the owner of the estate for whom he worked was eating strawberries in the middle of winter, and he said, where on earth 
did you get strawberries? And they said, well, um, our Garrett, our gardener, grows them in his hothouse. And he developed a friendship with Garrett. And years later, when Garrett made some very um, politically incorrect statements about Napoleon and different things, um, his boss, uh, the lord of the realm there, got him out of jail and brought him back to the estate because he didn't want to be without his strawberry grower. Then Corey's grandfather, Willem, um, was a very godly man. And in 1837, he, because he didn't have very good health, uh, he, he was not a gardener, but he opened a watch shop in in Harlem, where Corey was raised. His first wife had tuberculosis, and in 14 years, she gave birth to 13 children, and eight of them died at birth or soon after because she was infecting the children with her disease. She died, and um, then two years later, her grandfather, Willem, married Elizabeth, who had been their housekeeper, and she was energetic and young and ambitious and hardworking and lots of fun. And uh, their firstborn son was Corey's dad, and they named him Casper. And in 1884, Willem, Corey's grandfather, started a weekly prayer meeting for the Jewish people and for the peace of Jerusalem. A hundred years later, in that same house where the prayer meeting was started, Willem's son, Casper, and his four grandchildren, including Corey, Betsy, her brother, and her other sister, and then uh, her, her nephew, Willem's, it's confusing, that would have been Willem's great-grandson. So Willem's son, his four grandchildren, his great-grandson, were all arrested in that same house 100 years later for hiding Jewish people from the Nazi regime. Uh, Corey's dad was a figure that people will talk about forever. Corey actually wrote a book about him called Father Ten Boom, God's Man. And she talks about the influence um, of the Word of God after kind of liberal theology had swept through Europe, Caspar Ten Boom absolutely refused to cave. He studied Hebrew, he studied Greek, he taught his children multiple languages, and every night when they would read the Bible, they would all have a different translation in front of them in different languages, uh, and they would all share about their observations as they studied the Word of God. Corey's dad was a very gifted watchmaker, and he was, uh, he always talked about a man that influenced their family through the generations. His name was Isaac da Costa, and he was a Jewish Portuguese uh, attorney who had moved to Holland and converted to Christianity. He was very, very brilliant, and he was also a poet, and how his painting or his portrait was always hanging in their house and how they weathered all the theological storms that swept through Holland, never giving in, never compromising spiritually. Corey wrote a book about her childhood called In My Father's House, 
And that is truly a book that I recommend every single Christian reading as a model of what it looks like to have a godly home, a godly family, and to live outside of the culture and the box. The Ten Booms always had financial struggles, but they brought in foster children, missionaries' children, and of course are most famous for hiding Jewish people. But this was a pattern that they had their entire lives. Casper and his wife uh, were madly in love with each other, although she was ill. Her name was Cor, and she was ill throughout their whole marriage. She almost died multiple times and did die quite young of several strokes. They always had room at their little table for one more. I've been to their house and spent quite a bit of time at the house, which is called the the B.E., and um, or the Baye, maybe it's, I mean, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's spelled B-E-J-E. It still is a watch shop with a little house upstairs. The house is now a museum, but the watch shop is still running to this day. And I was astonished at the size or the lack of size <laughs> of that house. Corey, when she was making money, finally put in uh, two flushing toilets Um, But it is the smallest house, and when you read the story of her childhood and how many people lived in that house, you cannot believe that they fit there. And then when you see the hiding place, which you can still go and see, the little bricked-in space in Corey's bedroom, it's smaller than most little coat closets, and how many people were hidden in there for days after the Nazis arrested the Ten Boom family. A book that has had tremendous influence on me, <clears throat> excuse me, is a book called Tramp for the Lord. After the war and after Corey uh, was released by a miracle from Raffensbrück, the concentration camp she and Betsy were in, Betsy died and very quickly after, by a clerical error, Corey was released. She and Betsy would lay on the lice-covered bunk with six women on one bed, one twin bed, and they would whisper and dream about what they were going to do after World War II ended. And Betsy said, we're going to gather all these displaced people and hurting people, and we're going to help them to grow flowers and garden, and we're going to create beauty, and we're going to give healing to those people. And so after the war, that's exactly what Corey did. And she um, opened, she went into Germany, she, in Holland, all different places where people were displaced and had lost families and roots. She opened up ministry centers where people lived and were cared for and were healed. And then the Lord began to lay on her heart to come to America and tell her story of the love of God being deeper than any pit that is dug by men out of hatred. And she came to America and then she began traveling the world. And, excuse me, her story, Tramp for the Lord, is a story of her traveling through Africa and Asia and the most horrible, horrible prisons that she would go into at the risk of her own life. And she would share with the prisoners and she would say, I too was a prisoner. And then she would share her message of hope that God's love is deeper than any pit that man can build. 
she also wrote a book called Common Sense Not Needed about her young years before World War II when she started what she called the clubs. These were clubs for girls there in Holland that were in between the age of Sunday school and the YMCA age of, I think, 18 or 21. And they were about 13 up. And she started clubs for girls. And they would hike and they would sew and they would do gymnastics and they would tease her about her knobby legs and her funny little knees. And those clubs became the Girl Guides of Holland. How um, Corey actually originated and started that, that concept. But she also worked with people with um, severe mental challenges. And her book, Common Sense Not Needed, uh, the subtitle is Bringing the Gospel to the Mentally Handicapped. And she was able to share Christ with all these young um, adults with Down syndrome and other challenges that most people thought could not understand the gospel. But Corey knew that they could, and she never took no for an answer. That was just her personality. I also love um, some of her other books. She wrote a book called Don't Wrestle, Just Nestle, about um, how people of all ages can turn to God with their problems and enjoy life. Uh, she talks about Christians freeing themselves from the burden of worry, tension, fear, and anxiety. She said, if you trust God and remember his promises, he will give you the courage and strength to face the future unafraid. You can be a conqueror because Jesus is victor. I think that's a timely message for our day today. And then Corey, when she traveled, um, always had different young women who traveled with her. And uh, the last woman who traveled with her was named Pam. Pam was British. Most, most of her companions were Dutch. But Pam was British, and she had worked for Brother Andrew, God's smuggler. And then the Lord led her to come and work with Corey because Corey's last, uh, uh, the last lady that used to accompany her was getting married and had to come off um, traveling with Corey. And Pam wrote a book called The Five Silent Years of Corey Temboom which describes the first years where they were traveling and then when Corey was struck um, with her first stroke and then other strokes which um, she lost her ability to speak but she never lost her ability to love people and to pray. And Pam talks about how when people would walk in the room to see Corey how she would look up and her face always had the same message. You are the most important person in the world, and I am so excited to be with you. And what a ministry that is to me, because sometimes we're like, oh, it's you, or I'm not really in the mood for people. But Corey, no matter how exhausted, sleeping, who knows where, eating, who knows what, never knowing financially where her next you know, kind of financial windfall was going to come for many, many years. But she kept that vitality, that passion. And she used to tell the girls who worked with her, the work comes first. The work comes first. And she denied herself over and over again. And she'd be tempted to say, okay, I'm tired. I'm going to go stay in some beautiful home. Or I'm going to go live in Holland with all my you know, family's old mementos and I'm going to do needlework. And the Lord would say, 
that's not for you, Corey. And then she would tantrum for a day or two, and then she'd say, you're right. And off she'd go back being a tramp for the Lord. I also have been reading a book that she wrote called Amazing Love. Um, Another one is Good, Not Good If Detached. And then Pam, her last companion, wrote a book called Life Lessons from the Hiding Place. All of these books I read over and over again. I never tire of her writing because it's simple, it's energetic, it's confident. And what I love about the Ten Boom family when you read about them is they had a joy of living. They knew how to embrace the joy of living, which I think sometimes I don't. You know, we get caught up in self-pity or boredom or laziness, but the the Ten Booms knew how to milk um, life. They loved music. They loved art. They loved beauty. They loved good food and hospitality. And of course, they loved the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Corey also published a book called Corey Temboom's Prison Letters when she would be able occasionally to get a letter in or out from the concentration camp. Um, these letters were collected. Before she uh, had her stroke, she wrote to some friends around the world that had known her sister Betsy, and she asked for their description of her because her hope was to write a book on her sister. Um, It was put in a hanging file there in Orange County where Corey had her stroke and she was never able to write the book. But Pam, in Life Life Lessons from the Hiding Place, shares some of the observations about Betsy, how quiet she was, that she was like a porcelain doll or a cameo brooch. She never raised her voice. She was always beautifully dressed. But she was kind of the civilizing Force. She ran the home so that Betsy, excuse me, so that Corey could do all the high energy things she did. I forgot to say that Corey was the first woman to be licensed as a watchmaker in the country of Holland. Her dad sold an expensive clock, and with that money, he sent her to Switzerland to be trained as a clockmaker. And all of her life, she loved watches and clocks. And when she would visit people, they would say, oh, we have this clock and no one can fix it, but she would fix it. She just had such a a gift with detail and um, small motor kind of things that um, really is a God-given gift. So what is my takeaway on Corrie Ten Boom? I think my takeaway is her love for life her passion for the gospel, and that everywhere she went, she used as a window, a gospel window. When she was in a wheelchair as she got older and they would push her through airports, she would say to the young man or woman pushing her through the airport, my, this is a large airport. I bet you know how to get around all over this airport. And the young person would say, yes, that's true. And she'd say, but tell me, do you know how to get to heaven? That's even more important than getting around an airport. And she would share the gospel inevitably with every single person she would meet. She never missed a gospel opportunity. So I just want to pray uh, as we close for us to glean from her, that she would mentor us through 
her writings, her recordings, and that we would learn the life lessons that Corey learned for all of us. So Father, I do pray that Corey's life would bear fruit into eternity, even for those of us who never had the opportunity to meet her or to know her. But Lord, that we would be um, students of Corey's way of life, of her heart, of her father and her grandfather and her sister and her aunties and especially her father's um, refusal to buckle under totalitarianism. Lord, may we learn from this family that overcome evil, that overcame evil with good. Thank you for their love for the nation of Israel and your Jewish people because you said you will bless those who bless your people and you will curse those who curse them. Lord, let us follow in, in Casper Ten Boom and Corey Ten Boom's footsteps, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me this week on Homeschool Made Simple. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be great. Visit my website, Carol, with an E at the end, Carol Joy Side, S-E-I-D dot com, caroljoyside.com to subscribe to our free monthly newsletter, and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably.